0: I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today, on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a fantastic book of book art that I know you're going to love. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 348, book stacks and Spine Art, or we can shorten that up to book art. It is a Sunday here, and it is sunny for the moment, which is a novel thing to see. We've had so, so much rain, and I know many of you have had so, so, so much snow. So leapfrogging a bit, but it's okay because i have a book to share with you today i love how books make the rounds in our awareness in our consciousness in our sense of what's out there and in and on our to be read lists i love how people share books how that can be a thread a line of connection an outstretched hand a moment of hey maybe this is what you need. Or, hey, you might really like this. Or, hey, did you read this yet? Sharing books, not the literal book. That's that's something altogether different. And the days of sharing literal books seems almost a bit quaint. It really does. Maybe I'm a bit biased because I use the library for everything, but it does seem a little bit quaint sharing of literal books doesn't always go so well. And of course, it does require knowing actual people, which might be why it seems quaint to me. But two books I remember sharing stand out for me because, yep, you guessed it, they never came back. And it's been a long time. And these things stick with you. They stick with me. One was Women Who Run With Wolves, which was really Big and well known at the time. I was in graduate school. And that has been 25 years or so. And I still remember that I never got that book back. And I actually never really read the book, which I guess might be why I so recall not getting it back. And then a graphic novel, of all things, a graphic novel called Marbles. I read it and then I loaned it out to someone. I thought it was what that person needed to read at that point. And I actually checked it out again recently. It's in my stack because it comes up in my awareness now and again that I really want to look at that book again. And oh, yeah, I never got it back. But then I have a book on my shelf too, one with the word elephant in the title. That's how I always think of it guiltily. I think, oh, yeah, there's that book about elephants. The spine is black. And I know there's some kind of topish circus tint image on the cover. Water for elephants. And I know it was loaned to me. I don't remember the circumstances of it, the why of it. It was loaned to me, never returned, never read. And then an encyclopedia of dogs that a shop owner loaned my son, also never returned. It happens. It happens in that quaint, that quaint and really outdated Sharing of books, probably that goes right along with sharing a cup of sugar, which I can't even fathom ever happening. Sharing of books. It happens. We borrow or lend. Time passes. Things change. And we carry these loans and losses, maybe awkwardly, maybe guiltily. Maybe you run into that person and you think, oh, she probably remembers I never returned that book unless it's someone you're really close with, these can be kind of awkward. And it's especially kind of awkward 15 years later to say, hey, by the way, you loaned this to me way back when and I need to clear my conscience. Here's this book. I think people have the same kinds of issues with library fines. I, yeah, things change. And some days I want to just drive over, drive by that person's house, stealthily leave the borrowed book on the porch. Just drop it off and run. I wonder if she even remembers the loan. I seriously doubt it. I really do. It's just stuck in my head, this incomplete thing. And I can't get rid of it because I feel guilty because it's not really mine. So clearly, I have some borrowed book baggage. I do love how we share books. I love how we think about books, people who are readers, and how we think about books and how books are important. The way we share books in idea, not the literal sharing. That is what libraries are for. I love how we share mentions of books, sometimes at just the right time. I loved this, like I said, and you might love it too. Or I loved this and you did as well. Maybe we have something in common. Of all the books in the world, we both loved this outlier. Connections have certainly been forged of less. I love jotting down titles from podcasts and from Facebook groups and from Instagram. I definitely love following Instagram, seeing books mentioned. I love looking at piles of books and bookshelves. I love seeing a single book on a table, artfully arranged with a cup of coffee. I could definitely take a photo like that every day and be so content to see that and have that record. I love what books look like one by one. One by one, yes, so granular, one by one. But also in mass, I love the clutter and spillage of full shelves. And that explains so much as I look around in my room. That explains so much. Full shelves. Library stacks, nightstand stacks, if you are a nightstand person, spare chair stacks, if you are a spare chair person, coffee table stacks, dining room table stacks, kitchen bookshelves. When I was going to the library last year, each week I snapped a photo or three or four or five of the stack of books that I pulled, or the stack that I picked up, or the things that I looked at while sitting there. Somehow, those stacks told a story. They told the story of that year, and it became a year plus, of Thursday night hours at the library. They told a sequential story of weeks, of ranging interests and creative journey, of tangential moments of discovery and whimsy and wander, of awakening of determination and reclaiming, of self and self-awareness, of wishing, of wishing. They told a story, and as I was doing it, taking those photos each week was super important to me. I knew that, if nothing else, I knew that that one thing each Thursday night was a record of sorts. And of course, I envisioned it out in the future as a record, as something I could build something around about that year of Thursday nights. That record, though, was beautiful in its own way. Those simple photos, those stacks of books. So today's show is about, you guessed it, books, and about specifically the art of books and about stacks, really about stacks of books and about spines, book spines. So cool. So I guess even before I start, I'm thinking about just saying that spines because people do spine art. You can do clever things that way. And some people color code their spines, their collections. Some people do choose books because of the spines. And I had a discussion with someone recently because somebody somewhere saw somebody who turns their books backwards, spine in, spine to the wall. And that I can't even imagine doing. Spines are so cool. So cool. So this book, if you have already seen this book, then I know you're going to be nodding your head right along with me. And I don't think you're going to care at all that you already know the book. You're just going to like listening to it because this book is so cool. And if this one is new to you, you are in for a treat and you should just log onto your library site right now because you want to know if this is available. And this may be one that you're going to love so much that you want on your shelf. The book is Bibliophile and Illustrated Miscellany by Jane Mount. I first saw mention of this book in a Facebook group. A portrait artist that I follow and admire greatly mentioned the book there. She had just found it and she was super excited about it and shared. I jotted it down. And when I set up a page of random mentions of books and TV shows and podcasts last month, I dutifully recorded that book in my list of things to check. Seeing a few images from the book, I was intrigued and I expected something I thought I knew what to expect. But I didn't follow through right then. It didn't feel pressing. But then someone in the CMP group flagged me, you have to see this book right now. So it brought that book back to the foreground for me. And I did as told the library had it, I checked it out, brought it home. And then it sat on the stack. It sat on the stack with lots of other library books that I just keep renewing. There are several books in that stack that I really, really, really want to read, really want to look at or flip through with a CMP in mind. I find stacks really comforting. I find the potential, just knowing they're there, just glancing over. That clutter doesn't bother me in the least. It excites me. And it makes me wish I had a whole bunch more time to do these things that I love. So it sat there for quite a while. When I finally picked Bibliophile up, it was a staggering moment. I did read the intro first before I really looked through it. I've gotten to where I'm good about that. I feel like that's a mark of of change for me. I do like to read intros. I like to read author's notes before the book starts. So I read that and then I turned these pages and... I was just overwhelmed. It was one of those, I hate to say it, it was one of those, man, I wish I had done this moments. I know we all have those. We all look at things and think, wow, wow, I wish I had done this. This, this is it. This is what everything should come together in this way. I'm done. I said to myself, I definitely had some funny mental conversations that night as I looked at this book and realized that this book, it just does so much. I'm done. I'm done. There's just nothing else to do. This exists. There's nothing else to do. This book is so totally the kind of book that I wish I had in me. Not really the content, though. It's more about the look of this and the art. And there's just something. Just, I loved it. So there are very, very many things about this book to love. And I'm going to talk about some of the contents of the book specifically. But the basic premise is that this artist has made a career, a business, a name out of drawing stacks of books. Her business is drawing of ideal bookshelves, ideal stacks, stacks of books that taken together are a thing of beauty a sum of parts, something larger than the individual bits, a story that you can read in this collection, in this grouping. And she does talk about the fact that when she first started drawing stacks, she would just draw her friends' bookshelves the way they were, however they were, and that she did progress and evolve to this point of culling and picking and specifically Creating stacks, ideal stacks, paintings of stacks of books. Now, I totally love her work. There is no doubt about it. I absolutely love her style and her approach. She's not the only artist to have ever drawn or painted or somehow illustrated stacks of books. Of course, it really is kind of like people who draw birds. Lots of people do stacks of books. Lots of people draw portraits, right? Lots and lots and lots. Somehow, this feels so niche that it's, you look at it and you think, wow, nobody else will ever again be able to draw a stack of books. And I think that's not the right approach. She has such a beautiful and unique way of doing it. But lots of artists do stacks of books. In truth, stacks of books appear in most of our sketchbooks now and again maybe more often than that. One of you, now and again, has illustrated a stack of books as a part of where I am right now, a journal page of sorts. Maybe this is what's on my nightstand as this time period or month or year ends, or here's how I'm going into this new year, or right now, this is what I have lined up. Last year, a friend sent me A few postcards of stacks of books. And now, now that I've seen this book, I think it might have been the same illustrator. I haven't been able to find those cards yet to check, but in looking for today's show, I see that she does have a set of cards you can buy. So it's probably all the same person. And last year, this is probably why this book surprised me so much. And I know we all do this. We see something and think, oh, man that's sort of what I talked about kind of wanting to do and somebody else has done it so exquisitely. Now I definitely will never even try this. So I admit that with all my humanness, I admit that that I feel that way about things and I don't think it's all that unusual to feel that way about things. Definitely. I wasn't planning what her book is really. I wasn't. But last year in one random declutter my life thread or another in the group, And we have lots of those in our Facebook group. We have lots of those in our lives and in our social spaces. The spark joy mentality has probably impacted you in one way or another, no matter what side of that you fall on. Maybe you have someone else who has really taken that to heart and it has made an impact on you or has created its own kind of either energy or chaos in your life. But at some point I was again making another cycle through the bookshelves. So obviously I haven't done the pull every book I own out. And this was last year anyway. So I was making another cycle through books and getting rid of kids' books. And I was really struggling, really struggling, struggling with my own response to these books, with what it means to be at a point where you get rid of these books, with the guilt of getting rid of books, of all the money spent, struggling with my own memories, my own lack of memories, With their lack of memories. And I decided that I might somehow illustrate those stacks. Illustrate these stacks as I got ready to put them in boxes. Illustrate them. And that it might help me feel some sense of preservation, less guilt over getting rid of them, some way to hold on to them since memory is such an issue for me. The idea of this was so comforting. Just the idea, just saying, you know, that's what I need to do is just illustrate these stacks. That was so comforting to me. It helped me really move forward with moving boxes of books out. It felt empowering. And as I delegated piles of books to get rid of, put them into boxes, I first stacked piles up on chairs, in groups, teetering piles, and took photos. I was determined to do what I said and follow through and draw these stacks to record the history of all of this reading, all of this time spent, all of this parenting, all of this growing up, all of their childhood held in these books, determined to draw that, draw those stacks. Books were such a huge thing for us, as they are for so many families. I'm sure almost every one of you hearing this will nod your head and know how important books were for you. And if you are a parent, were for you and your children. The kids don't remember it. My kids don't. But I do. I do. And sometimes I see all those books and just seeing the all of it the totality it all washes over me series favorite series waiting for the next one in favorite series time spent in one bunk or another cuddled up and reading reading we always read until everyone fell asleep books we read over and over and over back then a weekly trip to the bookstore. There's a whole lot bundled up in our histories with books. So drawing the stacks seemed perfect. It made me feel better to somehow lock them in time and space, but in a format that would take up less space. A flat drawing versus a stack of books. Multiple drawings is what it would end up, but versus multiple stacks of books. The stacks were too big, though. It was too overwhelming. There were too many books. And these were not the most special books. That was probably the weak link in the idea. Because by this point in this culling process, much of what I was getting rid of wasn't the best of or the most memorable. These weren't the titles that I really would want to spend days and weeks recording. And it would take days and weeks, It really would. The stacks were big and there were a lot of books. Most of the books that fall into those special categories are still on the shelves. Some have been moved to shelves knowing that right now, for me, I need to keep them, and some are still on the other shelves. And maybe someday they are the ones I should draw. But I still have the photos of those other stacks. The idea didn't leave me, but I didn't follow through. Not yet to give myself the grace of yet, of not yet, because some projects we seed and we gather the bits and we tuck them away. and We hold on to that. the warmth of that idea, the comfort of it, the niggle of it at times in our head. So oh, yeah, I thought of that. I was going to do that. I want to do that. I need to do that. And maybe later they emerge at the right time, the right time, the point in time where the time you would spend doing that, feels okay, and feels doable, and manageable, and right, or at a time when what that symbolizes and means you really need, and it will really bring you comfort, a way to use your creativity to deal with whatever else is going on, to somehow offset, or honor, or celebrate, or deal with, process, reflect upon. So it is a someday project but one that I still hold really close. And seeing this book actually really tells me that it's definitely a good idea. It's a good idea. So Bibliophile is amazing and seeing it was amazing. I love the whole premise of it. I love her introductory note about painting stacks of books for people, about people who choose a stack to be painted as a gift. I love the idea that we can choose stacks, narrow them, hone them, go beyond the overwhelm of full shelves and really pull out a short list, a short list. And we're going to come back to that thought. It's sort of the idea of if you could take not just one, but if you could take 10 books to an island, what would those 10 be? Now you might think, well, that skews it because you want books then that will last you forever. But still, what would that be? But if you could pull 10 books and have those books reflect who you are, or reflect your past, or reflect what you believe. What would be in those stacks? Doesn't mean that you plan to reread them. So what would be in those stacks, these books that are so important, so formative, so pivotal, so comforting? She writes, quote, since 2008, I've painted well over a thousand ideal bookshelves. That's 15,000 or so book spines, many of them painted multiple times, end quote. So this book, it's so wonderful. It does indeed have full color illustrations of all kinds of stacks of books sorted by theme. And in that way, this is a book of books, a catalog of sorts. Are you looking for a mystery? Try one of these. Or maybe read the whole stack. Interested in graphic novels or memoir or nature and animals? start here. The book is a who's who somehow or a what's what in a wide range of genres and categories. Really interesting groupings too. I heard a podcast recently about another list, a giant list. I think it was a thousand books to read and I just didn't and couldn't get interested. Couldn't find myself interested. I need to chart my own course of a thousand for sure. I don't want to follow a list. That is just me. But seeing these illustrated stacks, that struck me completely differently. And she isn't saying, hey, go read the stack. But that's kind of how it worked for me because these little clusters, these little illustrated stacks of 15 or so titles sorted into thematic units feels really actionable. It's nice and tidy. As I went through these pages, I kept thinking, I should just read that whole stack. And strangely, I found that I had read one or two, or maybe three from many of the stacks, but I hadn't read most of any stack. Even the genres or categories or little niche areas that I feel like really are my sweet spots, I hadn't read the whole stack. I hadn't even read most of a stack. So in every stack, there were titles that were new to me. So there was this feeling of discovery as you look through these stacks. And I kept feeling like you could definitely make a little list and check off and just read through this stack. So I really liked it in that way. It's different than the read these thousand because that would give you all kinds of genres that you might not care about. But in this way, you can pick these little clusters that do interest you. While I love listening to the What Should I Read Next podcast, it's totally my favorite. I'm always grasping at clues for what books I might like based on some random breadcrumbs about this book or that book. And you're definitely listening for those clues. Seeing these illustrated stacks of books, I felt like somebody had given me a map and a visual map so I could take it in easily in the same way that I love the graphic novel format. I could look at this and go, Oh, look at that. It's a list. It's a visual list. There's a lot of art here. Definitely a ton of information in this book, too. So there are all these stacks, which is the beauty of this for me. But there's all kinds of info and other kinds of art. There are lots and lots of bookstore profiles and illustrations. So there is this celebration of the bookstore. There are tidbits about specific titles and their authors alongside of illustrations of covers, the fronts, and of authors. I really loved those portraits. I love seeing portraits like that. There are many bookish people recommend snippets throughout the book. So you get a dose of fangirl in some cases if you want it. Some of these are people that you probably know or follow or respect, and it's interesting to see what they pick and why. So the fascinating thing when you look at this, you start thinking about what did this actually, what's involved, and Why does it work so well? And the fascinating thing about book stack illustration is that in many ways, it's mostly about color and typography because the spines themselves don't often have much more than that. They may have a little bit more, but a lot of spines are just color and type. One of the most mind-boggling things when I looked at this book, now initially I kept looking and kept noticing this and kept wondering about her process, because some of these stacks really hold together in terms of color. And I kept thinking, wow, are these true to the spine? Are these illustrations true to the actual books? I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out because the color grouping is really pretty amazing in some of these. They hold together as if a decorator had said, here, use this palette. For this painting of these books. But some of the books that I know, I know the spine. When I see it, I think, yeah, that's how it was. That's how it is. And when the full covers are shown in the other little parts of the book, I know the covers are also true to life. So I assume the spines are true, which makes it really fascinating It becomes fascinating to contemplate in terms of cover art in genres and how color is used in those genres. Mysteries, for example, the stack is predominantly red and black and white and yellow. The dystopian stack is black and red and blue and purple. While I didn't see a stack that totally held my sense of me, of myself, like I said, I found bits and pieces of me scattered throughout this book for sure. And definitely, I feel like I've been given this treasure map. And I'm so excited about this treasure map. I did have a moment where I looked at a stack and felt like I saw other people. I saw a friend of mine in a stack. I looked at this stack and said, oh, that person has recommended at least three or four or five of these books to me. This stack somehow holds something about that person, something about what I know about that person. So go check out this book. You're going to love the paintings. I know you will. If you love books, you're just gonna love seeing these, the stacks, the covers, the portraits, the library illustrations and bookstore illustrations, and even free little library illustrations. You do get some summary information about genres and then lots of recommendations. This isn't a book that you need to read straight through. You can just pick it up and turn to a specific category using the table of contents, or you can just open it randomly see what's what, or you can just flip through it and just look at these stacks. That's my approach. I thought the groups, the organizational themes for the stacks were really cool, interesting, unusual. I really like not just having the big genres, but pulling things out in these subgenres, in these genres that you wouldn't hear people talk about necessarily. You can't go to the library and find the, a sense of place section. So there's something really nice about seeing these groupings. So just to give you a sense of it, some of the stacks that are shown include book club darlings, Southern lit, fantasy, biographies and autobiographies. So some of these are the big ones. Mortality, design, dystopia, graphic novels, nature and animals, a sense of place, journeys and adventures, multiple food and foodie stacks, memoirs, finding meaning, Creativity and the Pursuit of Happiness. And the last one is Picture Books for grown-ups, And I definitely am going to go through that stack. So after I got done with this show, after I got done, I definitely do these things backwards sometimes. It's really a function and factor of time. But I decided to check on one thing. And that led me down this little rabbit hole. And I realized and discovered that Mount worked on an earlier book with someone that contains similar illustrations. And that one is called My Ideal Bookshelf. And it's by Thessaly LaForce and illustrated by Jane Mount. That's from 2012. This new one, Bibliophile, is 2018. And in that earlier book, I believe it contains ideal bookshelves from other people, from popular people. The summary at Amazon says, In my ideal bookshelf, dozens of leading cultural figures share the books that matter to them most, books that define their dreams and ambitions, and in many cases, help them find their way in the world. And looking at that list, I see musicians and writers. So I haven't looked at this one in person. I have it now on reserve to pick up at the library, and I will link to it in the show. I will also link to an article about that book on the Brain Pickings site and several other pieces about Mount, including a short video that shows her in process. And I was so excited to stumble across that. Really intrigued to see that. It definitely satisfied some part of me to see her doing that illustration in person. So as a creative nudge for each of you, I hope you will think about your ideal stack your ideal stack. Don't know your ideal stack because I just can't imagine having one stack. I can imagine having a whole bunch of stacks that all represent something different. But what would make your stack? What books stand out for you as books for all time or books for right now or books that you know changed your life or books that you look at and know are the comfort markers of your life or books that you look at and say, those hold clues to who I am. If you were passing out a calling card, a Moo card, those little bitty ones, right? And it had a stack on it and said, hey, this is me. Wouldn't that be cool? We should all just walk around with Moo cards of our stacks. Because really, I think we can learn a lot about people from what they love to read and how they talk and think about books. So I encourage you to pick one of those categories and make a stack. You can just make a list. What would go on your stack? But I think it'd be even cooler if you try and draw or paint or marker it somehow And of course, that depends on you having some of those books or being able to pull them out so you see what the spines are. You can't just Google the spines of books as easily, I don't think. Our stacks can say a lot about us and about who we are, where we've been, what we think and believe and value and hold dear, what we hope, what we wish, how we escape, where we are headed, what we aspire to. We can learn a lot about each other from looking at our book stacks and I think it's an exercise you can certainly do routinely, even once a year. The books read in a year, the books read in half a year, the books you read in this numbered year of your life. The skeptic of me thought so much about so many little things about this book and this process and this whole thing. That's just me. And I would say that if you snap photos of your spines as you go along, you could assemble them later into. An illustration like this is definitely something I'm going to be thinking about. And so you should be thinking about it too. As you read through your list for the year, you should try and snap spines. And if you pretty much only read digitally or on audio, you're going to have to try and check some of those out or find them on a library shelf so you can snap the spines so that you have that visual record of the color and the type you have that spine And you can slot it later into a stack. I will say the one thing when I looked at these stacks that I kept coming back to, other than the color, was the size. And I did keep going back to that because some of the books that in my head are really big books ended up looking small in these stacks in relation to other books. And I did keep going back and forth about that and pondering some of those books Because some of the books I did think, oh, wow, those are huge books. And look, it looks so little in that stack. Just interesting. There were lots of interesting things to ponder. Just on the I am somebody who draws and likes to do illustration. Lots of things I love to look at and think about in terms of how she did this. Because it's so cool. I love what she did. So I encourage you to go and check out the book. You might want to have this book. I will definitely link to it. And I can definitely see it being a great book to give. A giftable book but I also encourage you just on your own to think about making your own stacks in your sketchbook or your journal. Think about it. And definitely keep sharing books, the idea of books. Keep sharing titles and authors and suggestions. And hey, you should read this. And you don't always have to like the same books. You really don't. I am the art. The art is me. Well, that was so long. So, so long. I loved it so much. I just want to sit and go through the pages and tell you what I love about every page. Definitely, that was my reaction to this book. Total, total. Oh, I just want to paint stacks of books now for the rest of my days. That's really how I felt. So, I love what she has done. And I hope you enjoy it too. And I hope you enjoyed the multi-leveled discussion that went along with that so lots of little bits in there that's just the way things go here so that is it for today's show that is it for three four eight definitely we're a little bit in a lull with getting these out getting these pulled together february is what it is and it could be any month and it might still be exactly the same but we put one foot in front of the other we sit down We grab a pen or we turn on a recorder and we write or draw or talk and just keep going forwards. Thank you for joining me today. If you listened all the way through, thank you. You know, you know, if you're an Instagram user and you do stories and you can tell how many people actually watch all the way through. And it's always really fascinating to see. And I always feel that when I watch someone's story, I know they're going to be able to tell if I don't finish it. And usually it's just because I'm randomly swiping through or closing things I may or may not finish. If you made it all the way through to the end of the podcast, thank you. Thank you for listening. I always feel like I need to give you a keyword. I told you that a long time ago. I used to do keywords. What would it be? I don't know. Applesauce probably today because I used applesauce in a cake I made yesterday, which is a totally out of the ordinary thing for me to do. Although it was the world's simplest cake. So applesauce. Yeah, you know what to do with that, right? That lets me know you heard it. Okay, I am Amy. This show is over. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes will be available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The website may have lots of problems, but the links will be there if you want to check out any of these things or support the show as you check out these things. You will also find a link on the side to Creative Bug, which I haven't talked about yet, but definitely if you're curious about Creative Bug, please use the link on the site to think about it. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. You can also find Creativity Matters podcast, but I am still not following through there. And thank you to those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Your support means a great deal to this show. Until next time, which should be next week, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.